Richard Stoltz, the director for the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. And our mission is to further improve uh, psychological health and TBI prevention and care for, you know, our active duty service members, uh, veterans, and their families. And I really do appreciate this opportunity uh, this afternoon to uh, to deliver some opening comments and then to respond to any questions or issues anybody would like to uh, raise with me in the time that we have. So um, we just have entered the month of June and the month of May was Mental Health Awareness Month, but we certainly like to think of psychological health and mental health as being things that really apply throughout the year. and. Um, that it's helpful to think about psychological health as being uh, a very important ingredient for all kinds of health, uh, mainly, you know, physical health, and that if one is not functioning well psychologically, it can impact all other parts of their life, including their spiritual health, their nutrition, their sleep, um, in addition to the degree of anxiety or depression or other kind of psychological symptoms they may feel. Um, but the nice news is that um, uh, we know that treatment works. So if people do experience these symptoms, um, we have many different treatments that work for many different types of uh, disorders that are out there. We also know that prevention works. That is, before people develop any really significant symptoms, if they pay attention to a variety of educational products that are out there, a variety of things that are available on our website and other organizations' websites that, that can very much help them from developing uh, symptoms that would reach such a severity that it would be important for them to seek um, some kind of professional assistance. And then we also know that, that people recover even that do have severe um, psychological disorders. So that's very helpful news for, for people to be aware of, and there's, there's a lot of um, hope here, and we're learning more and more all the time and coming up with figuring out better ways to help people. Um, one thing about our organization is we do many, many uh, different things, but just to mention a recent new thing that we're, we're doing is for the first time, we're engaging in a external crowdsourcing. Um, so crowdsourcing basically refers to, you know, tapping into a broad audience of people to get their input on suggestions they may have to, to improve the kinds of things that are out there to assist people with psychological health and traumatic brain injury issues. And we have frequently not just had a small number of people in leadership roles within DECO assist us, but we have sought all sorts of coordination from other leaders, and we have actually at times pulled our entire staff to get input uh, for some things, just so that we think out of the box, we think innovatively, we think creatively um, to come up with how to further improve where we are right now. But uh, just recently, uh, we came out with a formal crowdsourcing that is open to the public and that uh, basically asked them to make suggestions about, from their points of view, what, what gaps in care uh, may
may currently exist in the prevention, diagnosis, identification, and treatment or research related to PTSD and traumatic brain injury. Uh, so this has gone out to thousands of people, uh, and, and uh, these could be, you know, active duty service members or families, or it could be, you know, people in the public that just keep an eye on sort of these crowdsourcing ideas. And we know that we've had considerable numbers of people look at our websites, and we've had more than 40 suggestions up to this point, and we have a panel of judges that are going to ultimately take a look at this. This, this crowdsourcing initiative um, ends in another uh, few days. Uh, it's been up there roughly for a month, and uh, we're hopefully going to figure out the best, uh, the best ones and then award some kind of recognition and prize to those that have won. This is just another way that we're trying to um, connect to folks and, and have them actively involved really before there are severe problems. And then if people have questions or concerns, they can raise them. So we very much um, want people to view us as being very available. We have many different ways that people can get in contact with us. And this is just one additional effort that we've uh, moved in that direction. And just a couple of other things uh, related to that. We have produced lots of different uh, mobile applications. So we have so many of our young service members and so many families walking around with their smartphones, uh, whether they're Androids or whether they're iPhones. And uh, we have developed many apps that they can download with either type of smartphone that they have. Um, many of them have won awards for how good that they are. They, they, there are ways that they can uh, relax their inspirational sayings. There's, there's breathing exercises. There's uh, some coaching stuff that goes on. Uh, there are all sorts of um, products out there in that regard, in addition to providing tools for clinicians, guidelines for clinicians and providers, to also putting out tools for primary care um, providers that are out there because we know that there are many um, people who may be reluctant to actually seek out a formal mental health professional but may mention some psychological issues when they are seeing their primary care provider and, and we have provided a lot of tools and assistance for them uh, in that regard. Um, so this is just a brief uh, summary of things we have out there in addition to our helpful websites, all aimed at you know, further advancing um, the prevention and, and care of people that have psychological health and traumatic brain injury issues. So that's my opening statement, and I'm happy to respond to any questions or concerns you have. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, a note to the bloggers, uh, please remember to clearly state your name and organization in advance of your question. Keep your question succinct and to the point. If you're not a asking a question, we ask that you please uh, place your phone on mute. First on the line was Tom Goring of Navy Cyberspace. So, Tom, uh, go ahead with your question. Well, thank you. And, sir, thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Tom Goring. I'm a retired Mass Chief from the Navy. And... My website is Navy Cyberspace or NavyCS.com. My question comes to uh, uh, 
I don't know if it's on prevention side or whatnot. When people join the military, they go through an extensive physical at MEPS, and they go through their history and those type things. And, and over the past couple of decades, we have opened up our doors in recruiting to people who may have had some type of mental health issues in the past, where 20 years ago, if you had ADHD or something along those lines, you were not going to get in. And we have started doing more and more waivers along those lines. Have we noticed anything? Um, I assume we do statistical data saying, okay, well, we have this group of people who suffered these mental health issues. I assume we go back into their history and, and try to do some kind of research to determine whether or not we should be doing waivers or maybe we can open up certain things to more waivers or make things where they're automatically approved or something like that. But what's the tie from where you're at and the people that you're looking at mostly and looking back in their past to see whether or not standards in DOD for recruiting need to be adjusted? Thank you, sir. Uh, appreciate the question, and I and I don't have real clear data in front of me at the moment, but um, without having that in front of me, it's my understanding now for, for many years actually, uh, and this is based upon the worldwide surveys that have been done, um, that it, it's not uncommon for, you know, a significant percentage of people that, that enter the military having some kind of uh, dysfunction uh, when they grew up, um, whether they experienced some kind of trauma, uh, whether they uh, had ADHD, whether they had uh, some kind of prior substance abuse uh, uh, problem or things like that. Of course, those, those data are based upon, you know, self-report or they're based upon uh, what uh, recruiters write down on their forms, and, and we know that sometimes there are issues there, particularly if there's pressure for, for, for quotas. But to the best of my knowledge, there has not been a substantial difference in the percentage of those things, um, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the past uh, 10 years or so, um, because if anything, the, um, there's been less of a dropout rate than there was before um, and because there's been more motivated people to, to want to come in and stay in and retention has been less of a problem uh, in the services than it was before. Now, it really becomes complicated as to whether you know, where you draw the line between who should come in and, and who should not come in. Because just because if somebody has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, well, it depends whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. It depends how problematic it's been in, in the school environment. It depends how motivated the person is to overcome it and how, you know, what's their track record. It depends whether that person also has other disruptive things in their background that makes them really pretty heavily compromised. Um, certainly you get concerned if before somebody comes into the service, you know, have they, you know, uh, had a lot of suicidal ideation, have they had any kind of prior attempt. But a lot of times we don't, we don't know those things. And as it turns out, sometimes people that even have 
things like that in their background, some of them rise up and succeed and do very well, and some of them don't, and it's, it's hard to predict in advance. Now, one thing we do have is um, each of the services during that boot camp experience, um, while they're in, in boot camp, they, they pass out a questionnaire that aims at sort of getting at uh, those very issues that you talked about. And if they reach a certain threshold, then they get flagged and there is a mental health person who then interviews these people during the boot camp experience itself to see really if they have what it takes to have them continue in that or not and basically give them an opportunity then if they really think they made a mistake to gracefully leave as opposed to um, not having any kind of screening material at all during the during the boot camp experience. Um, so I don't know, I, I don't have a, a clear answer to your question, but I, I appreciate where it's coming from because we don't want to set people up for failure by bringing in people who simply do not have enough, um, that, or that are so unstable in their character that the likelihood of them succeeding um, is compromised. Over. You all Tom? Yes, sir, and thank you. And Phyllis, you uh, actually before we move on to Phyllis, did somebody else just join? Hi, this is uh, Bart Baker. I'm sorry, I'm coming in a little bit late. I just got the the message and uh, and logged in. All right, thanks, Bart. Uh, Phyllis, you were next. Yes, Phyllis Zimbler Miller, Mrs. Lieutenant Blogspot.com. My first question is, what is the URL for the crowdsourcing? Could you repeat the question? What is the URL for the crowdsourcing? I'd like to share it on Twitter, if that's possible. You know, for the throwing it open to the public to ask for their ideas on gaps. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find it in the papers I have in front of me right now. We'll, we'll have to get back to you. I, I don't. I don't seem to have it at my fingertips. Okay. And my second question is. I mean, that's not really a question. Tell me more about what you're doing to help the families. In other words, and, uh, a man or a woman who's in the military has PTSD and is married and has children. So what are some of the outreach to families who have to deal with this? Sure. So each service has different ways that they reach out to families. So reaching out to families is very much part of the line community. Um, and, and they have a variety of, of functions. So like uh, the Navy has fleet and family support services. The Marine Corps has um, I forget, some community service. They, they've changed their names over the years, but these are basically places that you go to help families, everything from you know relocation to uh, sometimes they have marital counseling. Sometimes they have some sort of transition assistance if you're PCSing. Sometimes they have legal assistance, um, uh, housing assistance, all sorts of, of programs like that aimed at helping the family um, uh, cope with the changes. And then, of course, if there are family members who are left back while their spouses are deploying, then uh, 
most bases uh, have programs available for those family members while their loved ones are, are deployed um, and provide various kinds of support groups for that. So a big part of the effort is to uh, reach out in advance and, and the services do an enormous amount in that regard and um, have very, very uh, strong commitments there. Um, and then uh, DECO itself as an organization um, has done a number of things. It, it has Military Kids Connect website, um, which is a great resource for children. Uh, it's another award-winning website that we have. Um, we have various uh, vehicles out there to help people that are moving and, and with transition. And then we also have a in-transition program to help people while they're in transition, whether they're uh, permanent change of station from one duty station to another, or whether they're transitioning out of the service altogether and going in the civilian sector. Um, and then some of the apps I talked about, they can be downloaded by anybody. Um, and um, I'll just um, give you one example, like Virtual Hope Box, if you were to just uh, plug in any smartphone, Google Virtual Hope Box, just like that, you can download that. And that has a variety of, I think, very uh, comfortable things. There's, there's, I mean, we have roughly two dozen apps, and I, I can't go to all of them. But um, so, okay, all of those are all those uh, resources that I've just mentioned to you. They're they're found at at deco.mil. So. DCOE.mil. If you just put that in for the URL, that will get you all of those various websites, and it, it will list the applications and so forth if you just uh, play around. And it looks like is that the the website for the crowdsourcing? Mm -hmm. uh, we have now tracked that down, uh, and uh, and that is deco DCOE dot idea scale. I D E A S C A L E dot com. D E A C L E dot Ideascale dot com. Correct? That's correct. Okay. Thank you. I, I, well, I get another question because what I really want to know is if the spouse sees that someone with PTSD in the military is about to harm himself or herself, but that person will not go for help. Is there an emergency system to help the spouse get help for the military member? So spouses are certainly welcome to address their concerns to whoever they want to do that. So again, those, those community health centers that I've talked about are places they can go. Sometimes they even call the commanding officer, the executive officer. It, it, it's not un, uncommon that, that they do something like that. But if, if they have concerns, they can also talk to their own um, uh, friends. I mean, there, there's, there's so many different ways to, to network. And then there's, I'll give you another number uh, and, and website. Um, that's the phone number is eight six six nine six six 
1020 and resources if, if you spell the name resources at decooutreach.org that's another uh, website um, that will that will help you but there's a phone number and a website but it, it is um, there will be a response I mean it, one of the things that we do within the military system itself is we do try to educate people to look out for their buddies and look out for each other. And if, and if whether it's an active duty service member um, looking at another active duty or whether it's a family member looking at their active duty loved one, um, they are encouraged to, um, to reach out and, and provide assistance and suggest help, and there and there are numbers to call in the local place where they're located to to help these individuals. There's also a lot of um, educational products we put out there about what the what the warning signs are and, and what to do. Um, and of course, the same thing always goes for any concerns that somebody might have some suicidal ideation. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, on to Amy Bouchat. Hi, thank you so much for taking my question. I was hoping to talk to you a little bit more about the crowdsourcing thing. I, I wish I had known about this ahead of time, or I absolutely would have told my readers about it. But I'm still in a couple days, so I'll do that now. Um, I see on the site that you have uh, the ability for people to vote mm -hmm. on the different um, ideas. How will the votes be taken into account uh, with the judging process? Well, we uh, this is the first time we've done this, and we've gotten to the point of selecting uh, several judges, and when it closes down, uh, we're going to put the judges together and they will see what the votes are and I think it's ultimately up to that team of judges to uh, hopefully arrive at uh, a consensus on the, the top winners. Uh, but I don't know if we have anything more formal than that at this time. We have some criteria to develop about what they're supposed to look at. Um, for example, the mission impact, the feasibility of the idea, significance of it, if there's any return on investment, um, whether it's an innovative approach or not. And and we are we are paying attention to whether it got endorsed by other people on the on the website itself. Well, kind of what I'm seeing here is um, is excuse me, is uh, a lot of people pitching their companies or their nonprofits that they already have. Is that is that what you're looking for or are you looking for um, well, let me put it this way. When I heard you explain it earlier, what my understanding was is you were looking for someone like me with a service member who has TBI and PTSD to come to you and say, hey, this is a problem that we have, and this is an idea I have to fill it. Um, not so much me as, say, a owner of a nonprofit or as, you know, owner of aqua therapy or something like that coming and saying, um, you know, we've seen this problem, and behold, the company that we own to fulfill your need. Um, what I, you know? What are you looking for? Which one of those? Well, I think we're 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 looking for the best ideas, and 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 certainly, my initial thought about this was that we wanted. I would love you know newly enlisted people that were struggling to 
share their ideas or, or their family members to share ideas about what they thought. Um, and because I can't pretend to think like what it's like today being a junior uh, person coming into the service, you know, you're 19, you're 20, 21, and, and what they're going through and, and what their struggles are and what their perspective would be about what would be most helpful for them and their families. So that that was, but we were also open to everything. And so if there is some, and we're not going to restrict anybody, and so if there is some company out there that wants to suggest something that they're capable of doing, we'll certainly listen to that too. Um, but, you know, we're, we're after the best ideas regardless of the source. And we, we're definitely into um, looking at things in a creative, innovative way. And, and I would tell you this, the evidence is not that there is, you know, one correct treatment that's going to work across the board. The evidence is that certain treatments tend to work better depending upon the individual. So um, we, if, if we might get some feedback that uh, might surprise us that we'll, we'll further check out. Uh, one thing I neg neglected to mention in my opening statement is Another key thing we do is we do a fair amount of research ourselves, and we certainly pay a lot of attention to the research that is going on in academia and, and other federal agencies related to anything uh, regarding psychological health and traumatic brain injury. And we're looking at what that evidence is, is showing. And, and clearly, there's more we, we need to learn. So. Uh, we're, we're open to people telling us, well, we found that this, this thing worked really well, or, or what a, has anybody thought about this? So that's, that's the whole point of that, and, and all of that is hopefully helping us become better connected to the community um, and, and responsive to the community. We're, we're trying to, to further bridge our, our communication throughout the entire you know, a military healthcare system. Thank you so much. And on to Bart. Well, thanks, uh, uh, Captain. I'm sorry I missed your opening statement, but I did uh, get a chance to take a look through your website and uh, very impressed that the uh, uh, center and your program is looking at kind of a broader spectrum of. Uh, Issues. The the question I have is related to the uh, and you touch on this a little bit development of uh, uh, mental health as something other than just the opposite of mental illness and ways that uh, sort of like the uh, this, the comprehensive soldier fitness program that the Army has tried to do but I think is still struggling with uh, the notion of developing uh, 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 preventive uh, health and. I'm curious as to whether you've looked at uh, the role of uh, higher education and uh, other developmental inputs, uh, particularly communication skills, as a possible uh, uh, indicator of uh, uh, resilience or at least able to engage in uh, uh, interpersonal relations. And then the second part of that is, our, if, uh, is I would like to ask if you're familiar with the uh, interpersonal theory of suicide, and uh, if there's anything going on with your center uh, related to that, and if not, I'd be happy to share it with you. Okay, so so in terms of 
um, the, the first part, uh, I am familiar with the Army's, uh, you know, comprehensive uh, uh, soldier fitness, and they involve the families too, and that tends to look at the social, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and the family. So to that extent, um, they are paying attention, I think, to the um, interpersonal aspect. And I, and while I'm not familiar to go to the second part of your question, I'm not familiar necessarily with the exact term that you're referring to in, in terms of that interpersonal suicide thing. But I think there is a lot of concern about the degree of social isolation that's going on in this uh, computer age where so many people are corresponding by text and tweets and, and Facebook, which is a little bit uh, now not quite as popular as it was, and, and, and not developing uh, necessarily strong uh, interpersonal relationships. And so in their uh, increased isolation, um, they might be more prone to not have a support system when they are experiencing trouble because they don't, they may not have as much of a um, close relationship as much as a bunch of superficial ones that are electronic more than personal. Um, so that's certainly an issue that's affecting this entire new generation that I don't think anybody fully understands the um, implications of, the, of that yet because it's happening so fast and the research hasn't caught up with it. But the other, the other services are very much also looking at um, a preventive thing to where, again, psychological health is very much related to lifestyle. It's, it's related to the food you eat, you know, the nutritional balance you have. Um, it's related to how well you take care of yourself. It's certainly related to your physical uh, fitness. Um, and so there's all these efforts out there to try to take a holistic uh, perspective. And certainly within um, DECO's framework, um, we are plugged into, for lack of a better term, these complementary alternative medicine uh, techniques out there. So whether we're talking yoga, whether we're talking mindfulness, whether we're talking art therapy uh, of one sort or another, uh, writing therapy, there's all sorts of um, various approaches out there that there is evidence that um, sometimes add a lot of uh, help and support um, uh, along with some of the other traditional treatments. So we are not locked into a sort of purely medical model um, because it's, it's clear that that's not what a lot of people are going to do. Um, and while it may work for some and some may be more willing to, you know, go through that more formal process, others may be resistant to it, and we want to provide lots of avenues for them to follow a healthy uh, track that might make them more resilient and make them less vulnerable to develop any significant psychological symptoms. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's a very thorough response. And background to Tom. 
I want to again thank you very much for this opportunity. It's been very interesting, but I, I have no additional questions at this point. Thank you. Roger that. Phyllis, did you have a follow-up? Phyllis, you there? Okay. Uh, Amy, did you have a follow-up? Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I just, yes. I just wanted to know whether the questionnaire during boot camp, was that, is that recent? Or how long has that been going on for? Well, I'm not sure about all the services. I know that it has been going on uh, in the Navy for over 20 years. Um, but I, I'm not sure of uh, how long it's been going on in the other services. Okay. Thank you so much. Amy, did you have a follow-up? I don't. Thank you. And Bart, did you? Uh, no, I'm, I think that covers it for me. With that, sir, um, thank you again for uh, being on this Blogger's Roundtable. And did you have a closing statement you'd like to make? Oh, sure. So, again, I, I just um, uh, want to start with just a sense of a lot of hope here. Sometimes you, you read about this stuff and you read about how, how prevalent uh, PTSD is, and and obviously it's, it's terrible that the suicide rate uh, has has risen the way it's risen in the in the last decade or so, um, and and I I just want to emphasize that number one we're learning a lot more. Number two we're reaching a lot more people. You know we we have substantially increased the number of mental health uh, staff. We've now got um, you know trained mental health people that are uh, much more embedded uh, with the operational units. Um, and on various ships and, and small smaller units, um, and and we have many more in the primary care setting that are easily available for 15, 20-minute consults. So our our outreach is is so much better. Um, our educational products are so much better. The various tools that I've talked, and and I think much many more people are committed to this and realize the importance of this than they did before. So I'm, I'm ultimately optimistic that we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction and we'll continue to do so. And, and we clearly have treatment that works if people are having a hard time. Now, I'll just spend a couple of minutes talking about, you know, probably the thing of, of greatest concern to, on the psychological health side is, um, as you know, the PTSD diagnosis and, and the fact that some people develop this in a pretty severe way. And, and I'm somebody that has personally treated many, many, many people with PTSD. And, and I can tell you that um, there's a, a lot of variations there. Uh, sometimes it's just one trauma and it's not all that severe of a trauma and it's not too difficult to help somebody go through that. Uh, however, sometimes it is multiple traumas over the course of years, and sometimes those same people have trauma in their childhood as well that wasn't fully resolved, and sometimes some of those traumas are really severe. And uh, those people can get better, but it just takes a longer time, and it's not as simple or as straightforward. But we definitely have ways to assist those individuals 
as long as they're willing to, um, you know, seek and persist in that degree of assistance. And, and certainly the same is true for TBI. Obviously, psych health tends to get a little bit uh, more concerned since it's, it applies to a broader number of people. But the, the TBI story is also a very favorable one. So we know that since, uh, you know, 911, we have over 300,000 cases of TBI amongst our active duty population. These are diagnosed cases, so we know that there's more than that, but we, we are able to track um, uh, that many. And we know that, you know, nearly all of them, the, the vast majority of them, are doing fine. Most of those are mild, um, and we're getting better and better at helping people that have multiple concussions and developing better treatment and developing better guidelines for people. So I think that there is reason for hope. Um, at the same time, again, when people end up in very difficult situations where they have horrendous things happen, you can't expect that they will quickly go back to normal. They, they're, they're going to have some rough rides, and, and we are there to provide assistance, and that's what we as an organization are committed to, and there are many people like yourselves who, who are aware of these issues and are also trying to help at their end, and I think the community is largely mobilized to really uh, do everything they can to help these individuals, and I, I think we have lots of evidence that a lot of progress has been made. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you to everybody on the line, the bloggers. Uh, that concludes today's roundtable. We will have an audio file on DD, DOD Live at some point tomorrow along with a blog. And uh, any other resources you may need, email myself or, uh, and I will get you in touch with Angelita, uh, who will then give you any of the additional information you may need. Thank you all for this uh, phone call. Thank you for your time, and that concludes today's roundtable.